Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. If I can just add value um, to two of those announcements really quick. The DNA course is today, 2 p.m. It's going to be in the kids' room right back here. Listen, this is a three-series class, okay? So if you missed today, not a big deal. We're going to have them for three weeks in a row. Um, So you can come to the second one next week, and you can come to the third, and then you can go to the first one whenever we have them again. We're going to try and have these pretty often. This is really important if you're looking to get involved or if you're calling this place home or if you're just interested in getting to know more about us and why we do the things we do, why this might feel like a different service than maybe other ones you have been at, Uh, any questions you have about the future of presence, the history of presence, the DNA class is where all this is going to happen, and it's going to be really fun. It's only going to be about 45 minutes, okay? So it's not going to take a lot of time. If you're hungry for lunch, we won't keep you for super long. We also will have free child care. So if you have children, uh, the kids will be right out here in this gated area with um, an incredible worker, Holly, right here. She's awesome. So come to the DNA class. All of us come to it. If you, if you can, come, come, come. Um, and then the Activate OC, again, I just want to add a little bit more value to that. If you have more questions, you can talk to Mama Karen in the back. Um, or uh, Sis Ashby about that class. There was a lot of incredible testimonies from last week. And the seats are full Um, but online, on Facebook Live, they'll be broadcasting it, so check it out. It's amazing, amazing. Any of y'all there last week? Raise your hands. Okay, okay, so good amount. Good, right, guys? Super powerful. Loved it. Okay, awesome. Yay. Well, as my sister mentioned, my name is Nicole. I'm one of the associate pastors here. I don't know if we already asked. Sometimes we ask this three times. It's just because we love new people, but if this is your first time here, would you just... Do a little wave. Welcome, you guys. Yay. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So good to have you. We love new people, and we love seeing what God's doing in other places. So let us know how you heard about us, and yeah. Yeah, we love you. Um, The past couple weeks, we have been going through a giving series, if you will. I don't know that we've put a name on this series. Pastor Jesse, our senior leader who was leading worship this morning, wasn't that awesome? He kicked us off a few weeks ago, and then Chris and I kind of did a little tag team last week um, with the message. And I'll be honest with you guys, I was sitting in Starbucks, and I had texted Pastor Jesse, and I said, oh, I just don't think I want to teach on giving. I just wasn't feeling super excited about it. And a lot of times when I prepare uh, a message, I ask God, like, hey, God, what do you want me to teach on? What do you want me to say? Help me write this because otherwise it'd be really bad. And so I just kind of go with his guidance. And I didn't really feel like I was supposed to teach on giving. And so I'm sitting in the Starbucks and I'm drinking my coffee. And I'm like, gosh, what should I, what should I teach on? And I'm drinking my coffee. And I look down and it says, give good. I don't know what that means for Starbucks, but it was like, give. And I'm like, oh, okay, God. (laughs) Um, But I'm actually really excited for today's message. It's going to be the best sermon you guys have ever heard. We just declare that now. Um, But I I wanted to title today's message. I don't always title messages, but I I wanted to title today's message um, what the Bible says about how to produce wealth what the Bible says about how to produce wealth. I didn't ask the first service. I was encouraged to ask this service. Would you be so bold to raise your hand if you would like to learn how to produce wealth? Anybody? All right. 
Okay, this is going to be good. Yay. So I'm going to look at a couple different verses in Scripture that talks about where wealth comes from and how to multiply wealth. So this is a free financial class for you. You are welcome. I'm going to be going in a couple different uh, directions with verses and things. We love the Word of God here, so we share a lot of Scripture on a Sunday morning. The first place I'm going to start is in Deuteronomy chapter 8. So if you want to turn with me there, Deuteronomy 8, verse 10 through 20. I'm going to be reading from the NIV for this specific um, Scripture. So Deuteronomy 8, verse 10 through 20 says this, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commandments, commands, his law, his decrees that I'm giving you on this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. I want you to underline, forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. That actually means he got you through a hard time. Verse 16, he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well for you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God. Okay, you guys, get your lipstick out, get your highlighters, get your markers, get whatever you need, and I want you to get this. Verse 18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he, who? He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so this confirms his covenant, which he swore to you and your ancestors as it is today. Okay, so how do we produce and multiply wealth? I believe that there is direction in the word of God. And we just read that it is he who gives you the ability, he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So now that we know how or who it comes from, we can, we can go on and figure out how, it, how it's multiplied. But I want to stop right there for a second because I, I was doing some research online and I realized, oh, yeah, this is like a thing for people. A lot of times we hear about um, churches that just teach prosperity. You know, they just teach a prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel. And, and people label these teachers who teach the word of God false teachers. And so I wanted to pause just for a second and (laughs) clean up anything that maybe some of you might be feeling when I talk about wealth. Because everything that I'm going to base this off of is the Word of God. So you guys can't be mad at me. Be mad at the Word of God if you're going to be mad, okay? Because listen, Romans 8 says that we are co-heirs. Everybody say co-heir. You have been called a co-heir to Christ, which means What's Christ's is yours, okay? It's like when you inherit something from someone that has passed away. In the same way, we are called co-heirs. You can read through about, all about it in Romans 8 to Christ. So what is available to Christ is available to you, right? Someone's calling my iPad. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, okay, so just to give you some scripture, 
just for anyone who's like, I don't, I don't believe this girl. She's got pink hair. She's weird. She doesn't know what she's talking about. I want to read a few verses to you, okay? Because I want to make sure that we clean up this like weird religious thought about like Christians can't be wealthy. Or like the more poor, the more closer to God. The poorer, the more holy. Like that's just weird to me. So I'm going to read some verses for you so that you can have proof, all right? So the first one is Jeremiah 20. I'm going to run through these really fast. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Ecclesiastes 5. When God gives someone, this is fun, when God gives someone wealth and possession and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is the gift of God. Okay? Proverbs 10. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil. Proverbs 11, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Three more. Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. Genesis 24 says, the Lord has blessed my master abundantly. He has become wealthy. He's given him sheep and cattle and silver and gold and male and female servants and camels and donkeys. You guys, today that's equivalent to very expensive items, okay? Very expensive. Genesis 26 says, Isaac planted crops in the land and the same year, Year, he reaped a hundredfold. Because the Lord blessed him, this man became rich. What? And his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. Okay, I'm going to read that one more time. He planted crops and there was a hundredfold. That was his ROI. You want to talk about return on investment. God wants a hundredfold. It's pretty cool. But pastor, those are all New Testament scripture. What about Old Testament? Or those are all Old Testament. What about New Testament? Well, I'll give you two. John I pray that in all respects you may prosper. Luke, give and it will be given to you. See, the reason, and these are my beliefs, the reason I think that we get so weird, for lack of other words, when it comes to money is because we worship or idolize it. See, it's when we, we start to put money on the throne or our wallets on the throne or our bank accounts on the throne is when there becomes this tension. Nowhere in scripture does it talk about money being a bad thing unless, it says in verse 19, if you forget the Lord God. Remember, I told you to get your lipstick out and highlight that one. It's only wrong to be wealthy if you worship and idolize something other than God. If you forget the Lord your God who gives all gifts. Verse 18 says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms this covenant. It is he who gives this. God doesn't mind blessing you. I need y'all to hear that. God doesn't mind blessing you. God wants to bless you. I want to bless my children. I want my children to prosper. That would be odd if I'm just a human parent, if Heavenly Father doesn't want that for his kids, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob all had financial blessings. David, Scripture says that God made David rich, okay? So we shouldn't forget where it comes from. We shouldn't forget who's given us the ability to become wealthy. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I think the church should be the birthplace for new businesses, new ideas, new things in the medical industry. I think the church, because we have connection to the creator. Why wouldn't million-dollar ideas not come out of the church? If non-believers are prospering and having phenomenal ideas, why wouldn't Christians 
doesn't make sense to me. I, I think this place, I declare that this place will be a place of many billionaires. I do. So now that we understand how and where we get our wealth, okay, I want to move on and I want to talk about what it looks like to multiply it. I have three fun points this morning. So if you're a note taker, you're welcome. The first, the first point, okay, is through praise and celebration. Everybody say praise and celebration. Praise and celebration. There is something about giving God glory for your $5. Giving God glory for being able to pay your bills. Giving God glory. I thanked him for the air conditioning this morning. There's something amazing about, God, about giving God glory for the little things in our life. I give you guys an example. This past week, uh, Josie, many of you know Chris's wife, Josie, she and I went to this revival meeting down in San Diego. And um, on our way down, you know, it's about an hour and a half drive, I, I was telling her, oh, my daughter's first birthday's coming up. I really want to get her a cake. I can make a cake, but it's not real pretty. So I'd like to have someone make a pretty one. Um, and so we're talking about this cake on the way down, and we get to this meeting, and they were graduating some interns from their ministry. And this lady comes out, and she has this beautiful cake. And I went, Josie, that's the kind of cake I want right there. And she said, well, you should ask her. So after the meeting, we, we, um, they invited us back to taste the cake. I'm not a big cake eater person, especially red velvet. This lady made a red velvet cake. It was phenomenal. It was amazing. It was so good. Josie and I were like, we'll share a piece. And then I was like, get your own, girl. I'm going to eat this one by myself. <laughs> but but the, the leaders, the ministry leaders were showing us photos of these incredible, like, fountain cakes that she's made, some surf wave cake that she's made. It was, it was unreal. And in walks the lady, the, the baker, caker person. And I said, oh, my gosh, your cakes are so beautiful. And she immediately starts giving God praise. She's like, you know, it's the craziest thing. She, she said, I've been baking for a long time. But when I got involved in this community and I start giving back to God what he had given me in my business, my business exploded. And she goes, and it's so funny because everyone always comments on these amazing ideas that I have for cakes. She goes, but you know what I do? If someone's unsure about what kind of cake they want, I'll say, can I just put my creative, you know, juices, can I, can I just do it myself? And they'll say, yeah, you know, yeah, sure. And she says, I ask God. She asked God what kind of cakes to create for people in ministries. I thought that is really, really rad. But what happened was, she starts giving God all this glory, starts talking about how she's poured into this ministry with her cakes, and, you know, she provides them. It's like a really good ministry to be a part of. Like if anyone wants to bake us a cake on Sundays, we'll welcome you. But she bakes them cakes all the time, and um, she just kept, yeah, kept giving God glory. And there was something about her giving God glory and praise in that moment. I said, I want to invest in that. You're in San Diego, and I'm in Orange County, but I don't want to buy a cake from anyone else but you because you're giving God all the glory because he's giving you creative ideas for cakes. That's my kind of cake. And so I end up hiring her this past weekend to bake a cake for my daughter's first birthday. But there's something, my first point, in praise and celebration of what God has done and what he's doing that attracts more. I don't know how to explain it to scientific people, logical, crazy, smart people. I don't know how else to explain it except that when we give him glory and honor, when we give him praise and celebration, there's something that happens that attracts more. I preached a word on honor and celebration 
gosh, a few months ago. It's available online. So I'm not going to talk a lot about that, but there's just something really rad about praising God for the $5, praising God for the bill that you're able to write, praising God for the car. When you get in your car, thank you, God, that I have a running car. Thank you, God, that I have running. There's just something about it that attracts more. There's power in the testimony. So if you ever share, if you ever hear someone sharing a testimony about what God's done, um, this has happened multiple times to me. I've, we've sown into people who are like, yeah, we just keep getting money in the mail. And the first thing I think is, I want to send you money in the mail. I don't even know why I want to send you money in the mail, but you keep talking about how everybody else is doing it. I want to sow into that. Praise and celebration attracts more. It attracts more. The second way that I have found in Scripture to multiply your wealth is to test God. The only place in Scripture Where God says, test me, is in Malachi 3.10. I'm going to read it to you. Okay, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. It does not say, test me and see that you're going to get by. It does not say, test me and I promise you won't have to worry about this month's rent, grocery bill. It doesn't say test me and see that I'll kind of come through. It says test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be enough room to store it. That's wild. Test God and see if he will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. I'm in. (laughs) I'm in. When the word talks about tithing in this in Malachi here, when he talks about test me, there's a word tithe. Tithe means tenth. Means ten. Doesn't mean two. It doesn't mean five. It means ten. And I know there's a lot of controversy around well, do is the storehouse the church or is it a nonprofit or is it a missionary? Talk to God about that. He will guide you and he will lead you. We want you to give money where God tells you to give money. If that's not here, I'd listen to God. That's totally fine. What I'm preaching on today is about tithing to the kingdom of God. Okay? So I don't want you, for new people especially, I don't want you to think, like, they're asking us to give money. Yeah, I'm asking you to give money to the kingdom of God. Not necessarily here, although if, if this is where you're sowing into, that's great. But, you know, the reality is if I just randomly went up to people and I said, Hey, Sally, how much do you tithe? probably the common response or reaction would be a little uncomfortable. Well, we don't talk about that. You don't talk about money. You don't talk about the tithe. That's just not, you just don't do that. Well, why? Why don't we talk about it? Why don't we celebrate? I give 12%. I got to give 15%. The reason money makes people uncomfortable, the reason the church is so afraid to talk about it is because it's attached to fear. See, I don't have a problem talking about money because it doesn't rule me. But fear, shame, and guilt are all best friends. And the very thing that you're afraid of is the thing you may not want to talk about. And so forgive me if this feels a little like, a lot of information at one time. I think it's really good. God's given a lot to us. He gave so that you would live. And so talking about giving is actually quite an honor. See, I gave this example in the last service. I thought it was kind of fun, so I give it again. If, if Pastor Jesse and Jessica came over to my house and they left their checkbook on my dining table, 
And come Monday morning, I thought, well, I got a couple bills to pay. My checkbook's looking pretty good. And I wrote, I wrote out a check from their checking account for my bills. And then I did it again for some shoes. And then I did it again for my groceries. And the next week, I said, oh, I earned that checkbook. And I paid for everything by myself. We'd all go, that's kind of weird. No, that was Pastor Jesse and Jessica's checks and their money. But in the same way, a lot of us do that with God. See, a lot of us, even in, in Deuteronomy when I read it, a lot of us go, well, I worked for this. Well, if God hadn't given you a job, you couldn't have worked for it. Well, I did this. I finally got a raise. Well, if God didn't promote you, you wouldn't have got the raise. See, the reason we hold on to this tension of like this weird thing having to do with money is because it's rooted in something that's not of God. That's a good word. First Timothy 6, it says this. It says, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides with everything for our enjoyment. God provides for your enjoyment. People get weird about like, well, that pastor has a jet. Well, yeah, they fly around the world and preach the gospel. I want a jet. Somebody give me a jet. (laughs) He actually gives us things for our enjoyment. It's the word of the Lord, you guys. But what's interesting here is it says, command those who are rich. How do you know if you're rich? Well, pastor, that doesn't apply to me. Actually, if you make more than $2 a day, which is 760 a year, in the present world, you're rich. So command those who are rich in the present world, $730 a year. If you make more than that, it is a commandment. A commandment on your life. It's not a question. It's not a suggestion. It's an expectation. It's an expectation. Okay, my third point here is we, we multiply and we grow by giving our first fruits. You see this word in and out of scripture, first fruits. And, you know, first you can be like, what the heck is a, is a first fruit? I'll read to you because it's good to just know where this comes from in the word. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vast will brim over with new wine. Not your last fruits. Somebody brought these, so I'm going to use these. I'm an illustration person. I think illustrations are fun. It doesn't say honor the Lord your God with your last fruits. It says your first fruits. So before that savings account, before your grocery list, before the, the kids' college fund, before... It says with your first fruits. So when you look at your finances, scripturally, it says with your first fruits. Does that make sense? Somebody brought those. There's a bunch back there, so grab some. Follow me for a second here, okay? James 1.18 says, Of his own, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits of all the created. I totally got wrecked in the middle. of I was crying. I was worshiping look like a crazy person, it's fine. But when I read this, okay, I'll read the NLT version because it kind of words it differently. It says, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, say we, out of all creation became his prized possession. What is a first fruit? It is a prized possession. 
And the word says that we were birthed out of the true word of God, that we are his prized possession, that we have been given to the earth to what? Multiply and bring forth the kingdom of God. You know what's crazy is I got to thinking about God's first fruits. God doesn't ask of us what he hasn't already accomplished. Do you know who God's first fruit was? Jesus. Good job. You get an A. God gave, I want you to get this, especially if you're a parent in the room, God gave his first fruits to the earth so that the kingdom could multiply. And then right here it says that we are, God, in First Peter 2, it says we're God's special possession. We're his first fruits so that we may declare the praises of him. That's in First Peter. You and I are his first fruits so that what? We can multiply and bring forth the kingdom of God. It's good, you guys. Praise and celebration, testing God, and giving our first fruits. A lot of times you hear people say, uh, you know, right before offering, people will say, um, you know, we're just going to extend our worship and we're going to give. And when I first became a believer, I didn't quite know what that meant. We're going to extend the worship and give. That doesn't sound like worship to me. What? But the truth is that giving is actually a visible position of the heart in how you give. Okay? It is a visible act of worship. You worship and bring glory to the Father when you give. You choose to give to someone else, to another church, to another ministry, whatever. Just give to something that's expanding the kingdom of God. Because it's a commandment. And I don't want us, as a family, this is just like mama of the house heart. As a family, like, I don't want us to feel weird when it comes to talking about money. I don't want, I don't want you to feel weird in your family. I don't want you to feel weird as you're giving. I want you to, you know, Scripture says that God loves a cheerful giver. I want us to cheerfully give to God, to praise his name for all that we have, even if it's $10. One of the things that my husband and I like to do is we like to sit down with people who are young, um, 17, specifically 16 to 18, and we like to share. There's a thing called um, like the Dave Ramsey plan. Has anyone ever done that? So we did it. Okay, awesome. We did a few years ago, um, and we follow a lot of his practices. But basically, we love to sit down with young people and get them to understand what this means. Because if they can understand it at a young age, there's something crazy that happens. And it's fun to get testimonies back about what God has done when they set aside their little envelope for giving. You know, for someone that makes like, you know, seven, eight dollars an hour as a young person, kind of seems like a zillion dollars to them. <laughs> but there's something really powerful in seeing the testimony of what comes out of people who go, okay, God, this is a sacrifice. But I'm going to give out of my first fruits, even when it doesn't always make sense. There have been a lot of times we've given and it had not made sense. It did not make sense. There was a time in the beginning of, of our ministry where uh, God called us to um, be young and uh, youth and young adult pastors, and there was not a position. and the, And the Lord told me uh, to raise support. So raise what? I'm not from here. I don't know nobody. How am I going to do that? I got to ask people for money. And within three days after we committed, okay, God, this is what you've called us to do. We don't know how the heck this is going to. This is going to work. This doesn't look smart. And then I didn't even want to tell my family. I'm like, we're not telling them what we're doing. They're going to think we're idiots, you know. 
But God said to do this. Okay, within three days, a family came forth and said, listen, what's the amount that you would need for a salary? I should have said a lot higher than I did, but I gave them a number. And they said, awesome, whatever you don't get in support, we'll just cover that. Within three days. It was wild. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. But I share that testimony to encourage you this morning. When God calls you to do something, a lot of times it looks impossible. But it's because he wants to prove that it's possible with him. So God might call you to do something. And this has much more to do than just with money. A new career path, move a new place, whatever. He, He might call you to do something that in the natural, in the right now, right here, it makes no sense. But I've seen time and time again, if you want to hear testimonies, I will have you over for dinner. We will share testimonies of God coming through in the most profound, craziest ways. I couldn't have even thought of a better plan myself. So I want to extend a a challenge to all of you. Okay? My challenge is that you would go home and at some point this week, you would look at your finances. And you would pray and you would ask God. God, where do you want me to give and how much do you want me to give? It's a commandment for the 10%. That's just what the word of God says. But ask God, how much do you want me to give? Where do I invest? What do I sow into? If we don't look at our finances, if we don't, honestly, if you don't make plans for your future, if you don't declare what God's going to do in the next 10 or 12 years, you may not see it because you haven't yet believed it. So in the same way, when we look at numbers, y'all, I hate math. Whoo, worst subject ever for me. But, but my husband forces me, no, lovingly sits down with me, and we go over finances, and he tells me what I can't spend money on now. But, but we, we look at it so that we know what our first fruits are. Because if you don't look at it, it's easy to go, oh, shoot, I forgot again. We'll do it next month. Oh, shoot, I forgot again. We'll do it the next month. Or I wasn't expecting that bill or that thing. So my challenge is go home and look at it. Look at it with your significant other. If you're single, look at it and get with God on what he wants to do. I promise you, you will see him just transform things in your life. And if he doesn't, I told the last service, so I'll tell y'all, I'll take you to your favorite restaurant and we'll talk about it if he doesn't transform something in your life, okay? That's a promise. So give him six months. I don't know why six, but give him six. And if you don't see anything, We'll we'll sit down and have a dinner. But I just want to pray and declare over you guys. So if you will, just put your hands out in front of you. This is a position of receiving, okay? So, Father, I thank you for each person. God, I thank you for each daughter and son in this room. Father, right now, I pray that you would multiply wealth in this room, Father, so that your kingdom could go out and expand, Father. Yeah, God, I pray for the person in here that's waiting for the car. And God, I pray for the person in here that's waiting for that business idea. God, I ask for revelation. Lord, I ask for downloads. I ask for dreams and visions of how to expand your kingdom, that it would come out of this room, Father, that each person in this room is a dreamer. Yeah, that each of you has vision for the future over your life, over your family, over your finances. God, I just pray multiplication on all fronts. Multiplication, God. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, God, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you for the small things in our life, God. I thank you for the lights and paved roads. God, I thank you, Father, for things that we oftentimes take for granted. 
such a good, good God. Now we just bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so listen, DNA class is at 2. It's in this room. It's not at 2. Okay, what time is it then? 15, so in 20 minutes, okay, right there. Um, I want to extend, <laughs> senior pastor says not to. I want to extend, um, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's never a good time except for right now, okay? Don't wait. Honestly, if you've never accepted the Lord, Okay, as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to extend that offer to you because you just heard me preach a word that's primarily for Christians. But if you're not a Christian, it may not make sense to you. But there is a good God who gave everything for you. He, he first gave to you. So if that is you, I want to meet you. I want you to come up to me. I feel like I'm not supposed to have you raise your hand. I don't know why I'm not typically, I love raising hands, but if that's you, I want you to come up uh, and I'm going to give you a couple things. Okay. So love you guys. See you all next week. DNA class in 15 minutes. Woo. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.